Today we're here at the College of DuPage with three guests today, and I'll just start out by having each of you introduce yourself. We'll start okay. down this uh, I'm Lauren Morgan. I teach at College of DuPage. I've been here for 23 years, and I taught high school for eight years before I came here, so I still have a, long, a strong background with that. And primarily what I do at COD is teach our basic course, which is primarily public speaking. I was also the director of the forensics program, the competitive speech and debate program. This uh, fall will be my first time not doing that for uh, the school year. All right. Uh, my name is Anthony Zobeck. I teach at Bartlett High School in Bartlett, Illinois. I've been a high school teacher since 2006, instructing senior English, speech, and debate, and occasionally sophomore English uh, before teaching. I was a freelance reporter, and I also worked for seven years in a law office, which has come in handy with this project. I'm Heather Danick. I've been teaching for 21 years at um, the bulk of that time at Minooka Community High School. I teach a basic public speaking course, also some drama courses. I teach an honors communications course, and I teach dual credit um, speech 101 for the community college in my town. Thank you all for being with us today, and um, glad we're getting to do this. Uh, I think it's a very important topic. So leading into that, uh, before we get into, uh, I think, what will be probably the bulk of our conversation, I just want to ask each of you, um, why are you passionate about public speaking? What led you to spot your in now in your career and maybe personally? Um, and we don't have to go down the line. <laughs> I can start. Um, when I was in junior high, I moved around a lot. And so when I got to a school in my seventh grade year, um, the, I had a teacher who had kind of picked me out as somebody that she saw something in me that I had a knack for it. And so she really encouraged that in me. So she got me involved in the plays and had me do a lot of oral reading and some you know, recording and oral interp and things like that. Then as I got into high school, I of course joined the competitive speaking team. I was a successful high school competitor. And when I went to college, I was going to teach English. I wanted to change the world and make kids love reading and writing. And I just found that like the pull to performance, both theatrical performance and, and public speaking, was just too strong for me to ignore. And so I ended up um, changing my major. I still majored in English, but then I double majored in um, theater communication and um, then as I went into my professional career I was looking for English teaching jobs and when I got the call from Manuka they said we need somebody to teach public speaking can you do that and I said yes I can and <laughs> I just think it was like the the best fit for me as an educator and not only just because of my training and my background and my passion for it but I feel like I feel like I've served my students well there too. I'm enthusiastic about it, and I hope that they have come away with some enthusiasm for the for the discipline as well. That's awesome. My, well, I was gonna, I'll, do, <laughs> I'll kind of build on what Heather said because my story is sort of similar to hers. So I did um, <coughs> forensics, competitive speaking in high school. It didn't, but I was also involved in theater, and I didn't stick with the speech team at that point. But then when I was getting ready to go to college. I didn't know where to go or what I was going to do, where mm -hmm. I was going to attend. Um, and I was family, our family was friends with 
uh, professor who taught here at the College of DuPage. And my mom said, we have to go see him. And I said, okay. And we sat in his basement and we talked all about college and what to do. And I knew I wanted to be a teacher. And like you, I, I thought I was going to teach English and writing and literature and theater type things, right? And um, Jim Colley said to me, uh, why don't you come to COD and you can be on the speech team. That sounded great. I'll help you find a job on campus. That sounded great. So I came and then I still pursued all of my English degree, but by the time I went to my four-year institution, I was I really loved the communication discipline. And so in looking at the college catalog, I needed, I don't know, three more classes to get a full major versus a minor for teaching mm -hmm. high school. And I thought, I'll just get a major. And if for some reason I don't like teaching or I need to flex somehow, I think I can market my communication degree. And then all the time I taught high school, I taught part English, part speech. And then when I got divorced and came to College of DuPage, it was all speech all the time. And like you, I'm very, very passionate about the discipline. I really, I really get frustrated beyond belief <laughs> when I listen to other people talk about, say, core classes that students should be taking. Communication doesn't show up enough. Right. So. I was a uh, shy kid when I went to middle school, private school, mm -hmm. less than 30 kids in the class. And I went to public high school where the, my graduating class was several hundred. And I knew I liked creative writing. I knew I liked reading, and I knew I liked movies. I'm a big movie nut. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to high school, I carried all those interests with me, but I just my intention was to sit in the back of the classroom, do all my coursework, go home, watch a couple movies, read a little bit, and not be social at all at 12 <laughs> going on 13 years old. I was a year younger than all of the other freshmen going into public school. And a uh, teacher saw some of my creative writing and said, we really, you know, if you could take this level of writing and articulate it aloud, I think you'd be great on our speech team. And so I did speech in conjunction with writing for our campus paper and still doing things creative, but speech competitively became an outlet for writing speeches about my interests. When I went away to college, teaching was not on my mind. I wanted to either be a journalist or be a, a film critic, right? Mm -hmm. So I got degrees in journalism and in film study, and I graduate, and I realize, A, there is no job fair where anybody is going to be saying filmmakers wanted. <laughs> and I quickly learned this was, my, I graduated about the time that newspapers were dying off in terms of you know print publications and nobody was hiring. So I did a lot of soul searching and uh, came to the realization that my interest in those two subject areas stemmed from teachers, specifically those who instructed speech and encouraged me to come out of my shell. So I went and visited uh, the campus advisor for communication studies, who's kind of a guru of the organization we belong to. And he said, you know, we have a communication education program here if you want to become uh, the type of adult who inspires young people like you were inspired. And that's how I got into it. Once I got my first teaching job, uh, there was a speech team. It was established. They didn't need a coach. But the coach there saw something in me the same way my high school teachers mm -hmm. saw something in me. And so after a year, 
that teacher said, I'm giving up speech to go into admin. I want you to take over our speech program. So everything has come full circle. Uh, I got into this to do what I am able to do, and let's see those shy kids come into the room and using public speaking to tap into any of their interests, not just communication studies. Well, it sounds like all of you are right where you uh, want to be, passionate about it, and everything led right to this point. That's, uh, that's great in general. I mean, you, can, you don't talk to everyone that just loves what they're doing, and it, it's obvious that each of you do love what you're doing and, mm -hmm. and see that it does make an impact. Uh, which I think is, is perfect when we're talking about the power of public speaking. There's truly a power behind it. All right. Well, so let's talk about this project. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, we, we had to, the Illinois Communication and Theater Association had, had um, was concerned about what was happening with communication education in Illinois. Mm -hmm. So they, and what really prompted some of the work that we, that led to what we've just done um, was the fact that Illinois State University was the last uh, communication education program in the state of Illinois preparing teachers. And the university announced that they were going to eliminate the program. And it had to do with the fact that teachers couldn't get jobs with communication degrees because of everything had shifted towards English. Mm -hmm. So the association had... Uh, become involved in a project to work with the Illinois State Board of Education about licensure. So the fact that we needed well-trained professionals, whether they were English majors or communication majors, to teach communication in the high schools in the state of Illinois. So in the work that, that our association did, and we had some people really involved and really engaged in that work doing really good stuff, but in the work that they had done with the Illinois State Board, they had reached a point where the board came back and said, look, we just don't have the funding. We totally agree with you. We think you're absolutely right. We mm -hmm. need well-trained teachers. We just don't have the money nor the manpower to be able to ensure that that happens. And because of some of the other uh, national trends with No Child Left Behind and things, mm -hmm. it was re we had kind of hit a wall, right? So then... We started, the association started to work with this advocacy project. And that's where Anthony can yes. pick up the story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, there's an advocacy committee mm -hmm. uh, that's a part of ICTA. And at the onset of this project, Lauren and I met with our local, uh, a local legislator. And uh, as Lauren mentioned, the licensure issue in Illinois, that stems back to the early 2000s. It used to be, to become an English teacher in our state, you could go a number of various routes, get uh, an endorsement in literature, or an endorsement in writing, or an endorsement in communication education. And that went away with No Child Left Behind, uh, an emphasis placed on uh, standardized testing, and also the State Board of Education having uh, its resources cut said, you know, why don't we just fold all of these endorsements into an English language arts uh, cert certificate, now a license, and speech will take care of itself. Obviously, that, that did not happen. So Lauren and I met with a uh, legislator, and uh, he said, you know, the approach you're, you're taking might not, you, maybe you shouldn't start with certification 
at one point over half or over the majority of Illinois high schools uh, had a speech required class why don't we take make that the focus you know uh, let's try to bring that back a required speech course in Illinois um, it's easier to bring something back that once existed versus trying to start something out of thin air right. and he tasked us with uh, can you create a timeline showing the rise and fall of speech education in our high schools naming names pointing to the the politicking that happened mm -hmm. that eliminated the endorsement and also provide some research on the impact that a lack of communication skills is happen having on the Illinois workforce um, so that's what we started with and then uh, put all that together, the research and the timeline. And Laura and I presented it at the ICTA convention, mm -hmm. and that's where Heather comes into the picture. So I had a, attended the session on advocacy to find out the state of speech in Illinois. And um, I was very inspired by what I heard because I thought, you know, there could be something here. Like, there are people in this organization who are as fired up as I am about speech communication and communication ed in Illinois. And so I went to the session and Lauren then asked me to be um, involved in the advocacy committee. My district had been going through some kind of like curricular restructuring and I was a little fearful that uh, communication education may um, get enveloped into something, you know, something else. And so um, then flash forward maybe a year, um, I, it was towards the end of last summer, I called Lauren one afternoon and I said, you know, I've known my state legislators for a couple of years because um, I'm from a very small town and so where everybody knows everybody. And I said, do you think it would do me any good? Like, should I give them a call and just see what they have to say about this? So she said, yeah, give it, a, give it a try. What do you have to lose? So I called um, my local legislators and basically approached them with a, with a question of like, is there something to this? You know, what approach should we take? Or could you give us some advice about where to go? Or if this is, you know, something that, that you know somebody who might be able to help us with this. Um, and both of the people that I spoke with were very... I think both of them thought speech was already a requirement in Illinois. And um, when I presented them with Anthony's research and his documents that he had worked so hard to put together, they both said, yeah, this seems like something kids need. This seems like something we should have in Illinois. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's, we'll see what we can put together. We'll see what we can kind of get moving. And um, yeah, so then that brought us to the point where we had a couple of um, pieces of legislation in the uh, on the Illinois floor for consideration during the last legislative session. Uh, what we quickly learned was that there are two dirty words in Springfield at our state capitol, unfunded and mandate. <laughs> and so uh, the focus then shifted from the initial discussion that Lauren and I had with our uh, legislator to the legislation itself, two different pieces, one in the House, one in the Senate with identical language that would add speech to the school code as, a, as an option. There's a section in the school code that says a student must take at least one year of a fine art 
foreign language or vocational study. And speech would be added to that list. And that's what the, the legislation would entail. So not a mandate. But again, with that goal of working backwards toward if it's in the school code, we can make that argument about certification to make sure people are, that teachers are taught how to teach it. So really, uh, what you're talking about is, is going to be a series of stepping stones, that, mm -hmm. and this is the first step. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and we were, you know, we I think I said this earlier, we were pretty just kind of gung-ho and a little naive and jumped in with both feet just to see what happened mm -hmm. and and really had to follow the lead of the legislators to some degree and at points yeah. you know we were in communication with each other at two o'clock in the morning and at different all kinds of different times um, because things were happening legislatively on a schedule that we were not familiar with and, mm -hmm. and you just have to be willing to be responsive and I think that was really the thing that played in our favor was willingness and then um, relationships that, that you know Heather had these relationships and it was pretty serendipitous that these pieces just sort of fell into place at the same time yeah. everybody knows somebody so it became I knew this person I know this person well this person knows that person and all the you know the web of resources became woven together mm -hmm. and uh, like Lauren said there were there was there was one moment where a, a legislator said can you guys come up with uh, this information in a document, a single sheet of paper? Uh, there's going to be a hearing tomorrow. I just heard about it. And so we were texting and emailing and drafting mm -hmm. until about 2 o'clock in the morning to make sure that document got to that legislator by that morning. And I think one of those times then it was delayed, which was kind of like, <laughs> like you know, do we take this as a, as, a, as a downfall or does that give us one more opportunity to, right. to, to fix our drafts? But... Yeah, it, it was a, it was definitely a roller coaster ride. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So knowing sure. what you know now, would you still pursue it? Yes, yeah. and we got a, yeah. we got an education. Yeah. I I got a, a front row seat to the um, Illinois uh, legislative workings, and so yeah, I think it was we definitely know more now than we did a year ago, and we're we're going to keep working on this. We're going to keep pushing. Um, and we're going to use what we've learned to inform our next steps. Yeah. I, th I think the thing that I'm anticipating, I suppose, is that we're going to have to do some traveling to get in front of people, mm -hmm. to be able to talk to them. Um, and it really does speak to the things that I sometimes tell my students about making things happen. You know, you, you have to be tenacious and you have to be, you have to have some perseverance and you really do have to put yourself in front of people. Right. So my, my understanding of legislative days when, when my college sends students down to talk to legislators, I have a very different understanding <laughs> of that than I did before we started yeah, this process. Yeah. Yeah. So where is, what's the state? of the legislation at this moment? What steps has it come to? You said so, it was put together, so yes. what happened from that? So the, a piece of legislation um, was introduced in the House, I think it was in February, mm -hmm. um, and shortly thereafter uh, the legislation was introduced in the Senate too. And it, um, so that was, both sides of that were kind of working simultaneously. Um, in April, 
the House bill passed unanimously, and the Senate bill also passed uh, overwhelmingly. And um, then the both pieces of legislation went to the opposite chamber to have discussion, debate, and be voted on, and so forth. And um, they got stuck. The bills got stuck. So they're currently sitting in committee. Um, the legislative session ended on May 31st. So that doesn't mean that the legislation that, you know, we worked with the legislators on um, last year could never come back. But for right now, it's, it's, it's stuck. So if each each place said this sounds great and yeah. they passed it across the uh, hallway or whatever happens, mm-hmm. why did they not? What stopped it there? What was the was it like? Oh, now this will actually be real. We have, we can't go that far. <laughs> what what was the? There, there are valid concerns on the part of some legislators about the impact that this would have. Um, would it uh, force? A, a school district to have to have a speech class if they don't already have it and how might taking that course instead of one of the other courses in the school code impact a student's ability to apply to certain colleges or universities mm-hmm. and again those are valid questions that require answers uh, to our understanding the legislators who have those questions are willing to sit down and, and talk about them so it's not a dead issue. It's just a bump in the road, a humbling bump in the road. <laughs> so they're concerned about those two dirty words you said, unfunded. And it is part of That's it. That's part yes. of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, so legitimate concerns or not legitimate concerns, why is it important to see things like this come about, start that conversation, and maybe next legislative session start up with this or something else similar and and keep this ball rolling? Why is it important? I think I'll, I don't want to speak on your behalf, but I think all three of us are really committed to ensuring that students have education and communication, Mm -hmm. right? It's it's a fundamental skill that the workplace wants. Um, It is a skill and a knowledge base that needs to be delivered by qualified teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having that legislation is a first step to ensuring not only that our students are getting the education, but that the most qualified people are in the classroom delivering that education. Right. right. I think too, a really important thing is um, when there are throughout high schools in Illinois and across the country, teachers are gonna ask students, do a PowerPoint presentation or tell us what you know or be able to stand up and explain thus and such. And so the ability to communicate well orally doesn't go away. It doesn't It doesn't end when you walk out of your last day of high school or your last day of college, right? So th- we have to um, be able to build skills with students for communicating effectively in an oral way. And so um, I think that one big task of a communication educator is to focus on the method of the message because if you just want to know something you can read it in a book read it in a binder you know see it on the internet but it's how you as the communicator are putting that information out there and how you're interacting with your audience and how you're living the same and breathing the same air as your audience and you're focusing on your audience's responses to your message and that 
really that is the, the piece of communication education that I don't think kids get anywhere else is really how to, to focus on that message on the audience you have in front of you and to do that in real time in that moment. There's no rewrites, there's no editing, there's no, there's no do-over mm-hmm. in communication. So you just really have to know how to manage that message well in that moment. Yeah, and teaching public speaking is the one course where students can really focus on those verbal skills, nonverbal skills, developing self-awareness, building their confidence so that they can communicate orally. And, um, you know, although we know they're communicating via technology a lot mm-hmm. and they're, they're texting all the time, we also know that there's research coming out that says it's harming their ability to do this kind of interaction right. and communicate face-to-face with people. So that is the realm of communication educators. And if you're an English teacher, you may have gone through school and had none of that. Mm-hmm. So in our own state, the language arts approach puts, frankly, those language arts teachers in a bind. Because if they're expected to teach those skills, but they don't really know how, and if they come with any communication apprehension of their own, mm-hmm. I think it's, a, it's just a recipe for disaster for not just the teachers, but obviously the students. Right. It's also proving to be the recipe for disaster and one of the things that, uh, in the workplace, in the workforce. And that caught the attention uh, of, of the earliest legislators we taught, we spoke to. Um, the early research that we performed, one term kept popping up across various sources from various scholars, and that was a communication crisis. Mm-hmm. That um, young people coming out of college right now and entering the workforce do not know how to adequately communicate. And it's impacting Illinois' workforce, and it, goes, it stems all the way back to, well, what are we doing at the high school level? let alone at the college level. It used to be, at the very least, you could expect that a student had the required COM course, COM 101. Well, now there are colleges and universities that don't even offer that anymore. Mm-hmm. And in the research for the timeline, that was one of the things that the Illinois School, uh, the Illinois State Board of Education, back in the early 2000s said, well, at the very least, they're getting COM 101. You know, mm-hmm. 19 years later, that's not, that's not the case. Yeah, and from and from my perspective as a communication instructor at a college, um, if if those students could could dip their toes in the water with a course in high school, it it not only gives them a foundation of knowledge and skills when they come to college, but it might turn them on to taking some of those other communication classes that they might not otherwise take because they're walking into college like, well, I'll take the basic class and then you know I'm done. That's really what happened with me. I took the dual credit class in high school and then got so much out of that, ended up taking the advanced course. Mm-hmm. It was, I had to add it on to my load, but it was well worthwhile. Yeah. You wouldn't get that at all if you never took the basic course even. I mean, you'd, as an engineer, you got to know how to communicate. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have any formal education in it at right. that point. Right. The one thing I always say to my students is you're not in this class to fulfill a graduation requirement. At my school, it's still a graduation requirement, right? But um, So I say, you're not just here to get that mark on your transcript so you can get your diploma and walk, and walk across the stage. You are here to acquire a life skill. This is a life skill. This is 
here we're going to look at what does it take to be a human who can interact with other human beings and have and forge those positive relationships. And so, you know, for me, I think back to my own high school education. I took anatomy, right? I could not tell you the names of all the muscles and bones and things that I had to memorize. I took physics. I could not tell you physics theories and work out formulas and chemistry but the communication education that I received has helped me immensely and will continue to do so and I believe it would help me even if I weren't a teacher <laughs> and even if I were not a communication educator I mean just think about the ways that we have to navigate our personal relationships and overcome conflict and and um, create and maintain friendships and sometimes speak and give information to people in in oral through oral means so i just think that it's a it's about learning to be a good person and that's what communication education can give students I, that's why i think our students in illinois need it and across the country you know this is really not just something that we can say oh only the students in this district need it or only the students in in illinois need it this is something everyone needs you know one of the reasons that that this is doing a communication class in high school is so so important is because like Anthony was saying it it's workforce preparation so you know I, I can't imagine any of us doesn't want our students ultimately to be gainfully employed and self-sufficient at some point right? right so if you look at all the workplace research it talks about the fact that um, employers want employees that have good communication skills and top of the list always is oral and written communication mm -hmm. skills so again one course in college gets them exposure but if they start in high school it really lays the foundation and it's the course where as Heather was saying earlier we focus on interaction mm -hmm. you know, we focus on okay how do I relate to you how am I communicating with you how do we do that as friends or how do we do that as colleagues at work how do we work as a team together um and i think that often the term soft skills is what's used collectively to describe all of that which just really gets my goat all the time because i hate the term and a friend of mine said to me a couple years ago why do you hate it i think that means interpersonal and I said, oh, I'd never thought of it that way, but I think the majority of, my perception is the majority of people when they hear soft skills, it's sort of this you have it or you don't. Mm -hmm. And anyone who studies communication knows it isn't a matter of you have it or you don't. There are specific theories about communication that have been researched. There's um, documented research on what's effective and ineffective, appropriate and inappropriate. And in public speaking, students really get to focus on themselves and practice those skills. They get to put a, like a magnifying glass on what they're doing. I always say to my students, I would love to follow you around in life, be a little fly on the wall, watch how you interact with people, point things out when like that wasn't a good way to handle your conflict, <laughs> but that would be awful, right? Yeah. I said, but in public speaking, it's the one place where you get to be, to see yourself right. being presentational. And then analyze, along with the other people or your audience members, what the impact was, right? And I don't see that as soft in any way, right? I think that, and, and they're necessary skills if you are going to be gainfully employed and a productive citizen. 
to me, yeah, that's what soft skills has always Im implied is that you may have it. It might be nice if you did, but you don't necessarily have to have it. But a hard skill is something you have to have. So I would say this is a hard skill if you're going to talk about it in those terms. Right. No? Mm -hmm. So what, what is the situation in other states? Let Anthony well, take that. <laughs> uh, we, we know that... <laughs> yeah, we have Arkansas, Idaho, Indiana, Kansas, North Dakota, and South Dakota require high school speech. Uh, California, Connecticut, Delaware, Florida, Louisiana, Maryland, Missouri, New York, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Texas have similar language in their school code to what we were seeking in the legislation that's currently sitting in committee. Which is one of the reasons that when we started this past year talking with the legislators and they were going to put the some legislation together um, they looked at well what's what are the trends what's out there how is it treated in in other states across the country and so uh, one of the legislators i talked with had some relationships with other legislators from other parts of the state and they had done some research i had done some talking together and decided that offering speech as an option was the way to go to bring us in line with these 11 other states so six that have it as a requirement in the school code named you know as communication it's, it's it appears there in the state code uh, school code there would be 11 states that have it as an elective option you know we were working on trying to get illinois to be the 12th state there then there are three other states in the union that have in their school code it, it says speech can be um adopted at a local level. So kind of leaving it up to those individual school districts across those states. So that still leaves us at um, about fewer than half of the states of, in the country that have something on the books when it comes to communication ed. So knowing that, what if, if someone's listening in one of those states that they're in the other half, what can they do hearing that Maybe the reason you all took off down this path is you didn't understand how long the path was. <laughs> Would you encourage them to try something out? I mean, what's the next steps for you all? Could they start with that in mind? And well, I, I would say come to our convention in September. And we're, we're actually, Heather and I are on the board of the association. So we're going to a meeting tomorrow to find out how the, how the convention is going to be sort of scheduled and everything. But there's some programming dedicated to allowing us to speak to what's happened. And I think that that would be awesome if some people from other states came and joined us. Yeah. You know, just to, even just to hear what we're doing and, and find out kind of, again, the story. Hopefully they'll watch this and, and learn a little bit of what we did. And I would say, yeah, go for it. I, I think <clears throat> if, if other states would get in touch with us, I mean, I, I don't want to speak on your behalf, but I'd be willing to partner with them to, to help also. Um, for anyone who is listening or viewing, I, my thing was never be afraid to pick up the phone. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, we rarely met a legislator or somebody involved in um, teachers unions or at one point people who fund professional development in other areas. Whenever we spoke to anyone or wrote a letter or wrote an email, 99 times out of 100, we got a response. Mm -hmm. At one point when uh, one of the two pieces of Illinois legislation was coming up for a vote and 
uh, a message was sent out to the membership of our organization. Try to contact your local legislator or uh, these legislators who will be discussing the bill. I know a bunch of people who made the call or sent an email mm -hmm. and either got a call back or got a reply back. I will take your opinion under advisement in looking at this legislation. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just your automatic click to re, you know reply the, yeah. the the standard copy and paste it was specific to what we were going for that's good to hear i mean i think a lot of people probably have in their head that no one wants to hear from me or that this won't get mm -hmm. anywhere no one will yeah. listen but that doesn't sound like that was the case at all when when we okay. discussed earlier that there are legislators with with hesitation um immediately out of the gate when asked can we meet with these people the answer was yes. Mm -hmm. You know, we will set up a time. So, it was. It's not like anybody. Like I said, ninety-nine times out of a hundred, nobody is stonewalling us. No. Which, go ahead. And and we really received some compliments too about just the work that we did and how far we got without kind of knowing what we were doing in some ways. You know, pe people were pretty impressed. And again, I think that just speaks to the fact that we have communication backgrounds and we can write well and we can speak well. Right. Um, and it really was, I think, the speaking part. Yeah. So that did it. that and the power of public speaking, what we're talking about, the need for this actually helped you all get this as far as it got. Definitely. And I think the building the relationships with people and just, you know, um, getting in front of people and to be able to say, like, here is a concern that we have and do you see any way you can help? I mean, bottom line, in any state of the union, it doesn't matter where, you're not going to get anywhere unless you ask and make a phone call and talk to people. And I think that's, that's the key. So any other state, any other group, any other state organization that wants to try to do something like what what we are trying to do i think they have to pick up the phone call or you know pick up the phone make the phone call and um and try yeah i, I don't i don't regret any step of this along the way no no we learned a lot we've we've definitely uh learned a lot we're we're going into the next year of this the next phase of this knowing knowing more and uh, we're white. We're older and wiser. Yeah, and we and we, you know, when some of this started, I had a local legislator come into my classroom because they teach a class on the presidential election every four years with a political science professor and an English professor at my college, and this legislator had said he had helped other educators get some legislation passed, and I was like, aha. I think this is it, and that is the first time in my life frankly, that I, I went to a local legislator's office with Anthony and sat mm -hmm. down and talked to this person. And he was with us for about an hour. It was on a like a Tuesday night at like 8 o'clock. Right before a holiday. Yeah. Uh, and he said, with, yes, with, okay, I'll meet with you. With he, his son taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Family business. Yeah. And it was just, it, 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 at that moment, I thought, oh, this is not, not, it was not that the process was easy, but that first step was easier than I thought it was. Right. You know? And I, I think the one thing that, that's been reinforced for me is, is our legislators really do 
want to do good work. I, I you know, they get lambasted all the time, and mm-hmm. certainly some of them do not some, some not great stuff. But mm-hmm. I, I think our experience has been that these people really were in our corner and took off on some things that, surprisingly in a way that I would have never anticipated. They really advocated for us yeah. in a way that I just didn't think would have happened that, frankly, as quickly as it did. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like everybody understands it's a good cause. It's a good mm-hmm. thing to fight for and to pursue. Mm-hmm. So that's good. It's good to hear. And I think hearing that should be an encouragement because it's that first step that stops so many things. Nobody wants to take that first step. Yeah. But I'm glad you all took that step. And I will be sure to put uh, your all's information, all the information uh, that we mentioned in the uh, link, whether you're listening or watching. Uh, you can access that there and reach out to all of you. I hope that uh, this helps stir up other people and um, you'll find other people who know people who know people. <laughs> continue that Continue that stream. Uh, so I, not that everything you have been saying isn't uh, something that you want to leave with the audience, but I wanted to ask you as we're wrapping up here, is there anything that you haven't uh, mentioned or that I didn't ask about that you wanted to leave with the audience? I would say, you know, we talked a little bit about forging a relationship with the legislators, but I think um, having relationships with colleagues in across your state is also important. Mm-hmm. And I know that for me, and I've said this before, the Illinois Communication and Theater Association, I joined when I first moved to Illinois um, as a way to get some lesson ideas. You know, I needed some help. I was a young teacher. But I feel like I've gotten so much just professionally and personally from the relationships that I've been able to build through that state organization. And so I would say that there is a real benefit to getting involved in your state organization. And it doesn't really, you know, maybe there isn't a communication organization in every state, but certainly there would be for, you know, different disciplines, like maybe English teachers or math teachers. And so I would really encourage people, get outside of your own building, get outside of your own department, and find people to connect with um, because you know I've worked very closely with Lauren and Anthony this past year but there are lots of people at ICTA that I have professional relationships with now and, and I'm a better teacher because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah and I, I keep getting that Margaret Mead quotation keeps going through my head to never doubt what a group of small committed individuals can do together mm-hmm. right and and i think to heather's point being professionally active as an educator is really really important and i'm very fortunate that my college really supports me not only doing my local engagement or statewide engagement but also national engagement so seeking out those opportunities and going to find out what is the newest stuff and how do i connect with people right. Thank you all again for joining us on this episode. I really appreciate not only you being here and talking about it with me, but what you're all doing as, like I said, an engineering student that uh, was forced to take (laughs) an oral comm class who then went on to voluntarily take another one. Uh, I appreciate what you're doing because without, uh, you know, with this, I'll not say without it, but with it, others like me and many others can get this skill set and 
I think something that truly can affect people personally and professionally in ways that you really can't quantify. So thank you all for all the work you're doing. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah.